0: views and opinions expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of their employers this podcast may not be suitable for children adults may find details triggering and or offensive listeners discretion is advised oh like introducing me, so? hi everyone this is norma and this is priscilla and you're listening to
1: it's, it's a mystery, mystery
0: for me da, da, da. <laughs> what she said yeah welcome back to another episode guys thanks for tuning in again as always tuesday comes really fast around here <laughs> it sure does and you know when it's tuesday that means we have another story to tell you and today norma's telling the story it's another norma takeover yeah no, we're here for it. we're here for it so that's good you guys get to hear my monotone voice And we love it. We've been loving it since 1992. (laughs) You know, Thanksgiving is around the corner. I think Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Is it yours? I mean, it's okay. I feel like I enjoy turkey, but it makes me tired. I love turkey so much. Like, oh my gosh, I dream about turkey. (laughs) And I, I only eat turkey really like for Thanksgiving and like Christmas. I like the turkey and curry goat combo. It's not Thanksgiving without the curry goat it's the very side. It's a very Dominican, Jamaican, American Christmas at our house. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should go to Mama's house. She'd be always having the good food. Maybe we got to go earlier in the day. Maybe. She'd be making the punch, y'all. Like, man. Are you doing Thanksgiving? Are we doing it at your place? I think we're going to do it at my place. Okay. Okay, so for today's episode, this will be linked in the show notes. I did watch a documentary on Oxygen. It's called Dateline Unforgettable. The episode itself is season two, episode five, and it's called Smoke and Mirrors. Mm. There's a lot of twists and turns. I also looked into articles, Chicago Sun-Times, ABC News, Chicago, Chicago Tribune, just... A whole lot of of reading for this. Wow. There's also appeal documents too, which I got a lot of information from that that was not in the docu series. So I would suggest if you guys do want to do research on your own, watch the episode and then go back and read the court documents because there's a lot that they left out. And why do you think that is? Like, is it? I maybe don't because they can't fit it all on the, in an hour or something or like forty-five I mean, minutes. It's, I guess, but they could have still have summarized parts of it because it would make you understand the storyline a little bit more. Because there were parts where I was like, okay, I get it, and I'm taking notes, and then I have to rewind it thinking, oh, I missed something, and I didn't. But I still had gaps. Right. So that part is frustrating. I don't know. They do it a lot, though, with different shows. And we grew up watching true crime, so like... Once we started researching our own episodes and realizing it, it was just like, wow, so the stories that I watched on these shows might not be the whole story. But you can find all of today's sources on our website, It's com. Without further ado, this is a case of Naila Franklin. Wait, I have a friend named Naila. She was like my good friend in law school. Like oh. the person I would... yeah. Yes, maybe maybe that's why the name seems familiar. She's beautiful too. I see her and I'm just like, Naila, you're so beautiful. Well, this Naila is also very beautiful. Wow, wow. I might have to text her and be like, hey, yeah, I mean, it's not a common name, not a common name, yeah. Wow, okay. Okay, So, Naila Franklin, she was born on April 12, 1979. So, she's an Aries like me, and she's (laughs) (laughs) you guys should see my face. Um, And she's a native of Chicago, Illinois. Her nickname as a child was Little Moot because you can't win after she's made her point. And that made me laugh because I thought about myself. It was like, that's immediately what I thought about. Yeah. I was like, Norma, as a kid, like you had no fear, even when talking to dad, when talking to mom, you're so expressive. Mm -hmm. And they were very receptive to it, too. Yeah. So that's, you know, yeah. the same vibe that she was giving off. And mm-hmm. she comes from a pretty big family. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't even know how many siblings she has total because she has a bunch of, like, half-siblings. Okay. But on Smoke and Mirrors, it was three sisters and one brother that mm-hmm. were on the show. Speaking. So her siblings pretty much describe Naila as someone who is charismatic ambitious. She loves being around her family and friends. Hmm. She had a very good balance in terms of her work ethic and then, you know, being able to spend time with her family and her friends and her loved ones. That was just something that she's really, really good at. She actually went to the University of Illinois at Urbana. I hope I'm saying it right. If you're not, somebody going to correct If I'm us. not, I'm sorry. <laughs> but she graduated from there with a degree in advertising. And then she became a mm. really successful pharmaceutical sales rep. Mm. Okay. So she was doing really, really well for herself and her career. She lived in a, a very nice, luxurious apartment. Okay, Material girl. Mm -hmm. And she surrounded herself, for the most part, with people who could keep up with that lifestyle in terms of people that she was dating. She wasn't dating like, you know, she made sure she was dating investors, attorneys, surgeons. Okay, Okay. she wasn't playing around. Yeah, and at this point, she owned her condo and she's now 28. So she's doing all this as a 28-year-old. So it's pretty, it's impressive. So what year is this? Because usually in the beginning we say what year oh, it is. But okay. you didn't Say it. Sorry, guys. It is two thousand seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. What a time. So, yeah, it was. It was a different time, and I guess you'll see it as a story unfolds the the difference in time that. Yeah. You know, oh, it's very two thousand seven. So at this point, specifically, it is now September two thousand seven. Actually, let me not get into September two thousand seven yet. Okay. Okay. So I said she was dating investors, surgeons, lawyers. She meets a lawyer. His name is Andre Wright in July of 2007. Mm-hmm. They actually met at an art gallery and they hit it off. And he turned out to be a really amazing guy. Mm. Family loved him. He was just a quality person and matched her vibe. Mm. They were actually planning on moving in together. Their relationship was really, really fast. Between July and September of 2007, they were already talking about, okay, let's, you know, bring this to another level. So if he wanted to, he would. Okay, ladies. Do you really believe that, Norma? (laughs) Can we stop for a second? If he wanted to, he would. I don't believe that. I just saw a TikTok about I this. I keep seeing a TikTok about it that's like, actually, it's no, true. it's not true because there's so much going on it, in a person's life. I, Everyone's I different. Agree. I think everyone is different. So yeah. even if the person wanted to, they're, you know what I'm saying? There's so many other layers. Yeah. You're right. But you're I mean, right. but I do, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I straddle that line. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right. Um, I, I don't think I mentioned this, but he actually lived in Milwaukee. Hmm. And so... Wisconsin? Yeah, Wisconsin. And they were trying... I I think she was... I don't know if she was trying to move to Milwaukee with him. Okay. But they basically talked every single day, every morning, every night. They would call each other. So this relationship was moving really, really fast. Hmm. Let's, you know, flash forward to September 18th, 2007. So at this point, we know that they they do have a routine of speaking in the morning, um, at night. They do also exchange emails, which I, it made me think of like, okay, this is definitely 2007. Because Mm. it's not work emails, it's informal emails, you know? So he calls her in the evening, Andre, her attorney boyfriend, and there's no answer. He tells her, you know, in the message that he leaves her like, Okay, well, you're not answering, but just letting you know I'm heading home. And he gets a text that she's at dinner, and she will call him, but she never did. So it is now 9pm, and her sister Ashley calls her, because remember I said she's very close with her family? Yeah. She also has this routine with her family where she talks to them throughout the day. So this is very odd that her boyfriend was not able to get in touch with her, and now her sister Ashley is not able to get in touch with her. She gets the same message as Andre Mm. saying, you know, I'm at dinner, I'll call you later. Her sister Ashley said this was very strange because Naila is the type of person that if her phone is ringing and she's in the shower, she's gonna hop out the shower and answer her phone. So she's like, okay, I understand that you're at dinner, but I would think that you would call me and be like, okay, I'll call you back. And she does not call her sister Ashley back. The next day, September 19th, No one had heard from her, and again, very strange, not like her. Naila Boss called her sister and said, Hey, Naila missed the meeting this morning, so this is definitely not like her at all. Hmm. Again, she's super on top of her things in terms of her personal life and work balance, so this is very out of character. Her sister Leah called the other siblings and Naila's friends, Just to see if anyone had heard from her. Mm. And no one heard from her. So at this point, her sister Leah is freaking out. And Leah's her older sister, by the way. Um, She calls Chicago PD. She files a missing person report. She even goes as far as driving to Naila's apartment. Um, I'm not sure how she got the keys to her apartment. That was unclear, but... I don't know. I'm like, does she? Does Naila hide it under a mat? I don't know. Or maybe she gave her sister the key. Yeah, or she gave her sister a key. But she was able to get inside of Naila's apartment with the key, and she sees that there's certain things missing. Um, Naila's iPod is missing. I think a laptop might be missing, too. Um, There's eggs and coffee on the counter that had just been left out, which was strange Hmm. because, again, that was not like her. Seems like she you know, keeps her apartment tidy and and clean and all that. So, Naila's sister Leah is actually a PR executive. And so, she starts calling media outlets immediately. Let's get this out there as soon as possible. And she made, like, a really interesting point that we always talk about on this podcast. And it's this idea that when a person of color goes missing... There's not really a lot of media attention right. behind it. And remember, this is 2007, so imagine. She made the reference to, you know, white woman syndrome and this idea that when a black person goes missing, you immediately think that it has something to do with gang violence or drugs, mm. you know? You don't think that it's someone that is like Naila that goes missing. You automatically think, like, oh, there's a reason behind it, you know? Yeah, you don't think it's foul play. Yes, you just exactly. You think, like, it's their fault. Yeah, it's their fault. Exactly. it's like some bad stuff they're involved in. Exactly. Hmm. But here we have Naila who, you know, lives a normal life and is a successful black woman, right? So it, it doesn't fit into this narrative. The next day, they are handing out flyers with her picture on it. Still haven't heard anything um, from her. Her sister, Ashley, was the last person to talk to her. I don't know. Okay, Ashley was the last person to talk to her, but I don't know if she talked to her on the 18th or if it was the 17th. That was unclear, but she did tell Ashley. Mm. um, So this might have been before the whole, like, I'm out to dinner. Maybe she talked to Ashley earlier in the day. But Ashley said that Naila told her, I have something to tell you, but there was a call on the other line and she ended up hanging up and said, Mm. I'll call you back and Mm. never called her back. Damn. Mm -hmm. So at this point, a few days have gone by and there's a patrol officer on the other side of town. Maybe it's not the other side of town. Don't shoot me. I'm just a messenger. But it's 20 miles south of Chicago. Patrol officer that happens to be driving in a parking lot um, of a golf course. And he sees six cardboard boxes kind of stacked perfectly on the curb which he thought was strange. He initially thought like maybe it's like drug related. He just knew something was off. So once he saw this, he he walked over to see like what's inside of it, and he noticed that there were different types of medicines and samples that a pharmaceutical rep would normally drop off at a doctor's office, like mm. sa- those types of samples, and he noticed that there was a label and an address on on the box. And it had her name on it. It had Naila's name on it. At this point, he doesn't know what this is linked to. He just sees a name. He's like, okay, like, this is a little strange. The boxes itself, like, okay, it was on a curb, but technically it was next to a forest reserve. So it's a parking lot, but there's kind of like a forest and and a, like, a lagoon next to that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I can't describe it. This makes its way to Chicago PD. And... The detectives that were on the case said they immediately felt that this was not a good sign. When they looked further into the wooded area, that's by the parking lot adjacent to it, they saw that there were pearls and other jewelry hanging on the surrounding bushes. And later on, they they did mention that they showed it to like her family and her friends. And they did say that it looked like her jewelry or something that she would wear, something that Naila would hmm. wear. Now, flash forward a few more days. It is now September 21st. No one has heard or seen her since September 18th. And a call comes in from Hammond, Indiana. And apparently this is very, um, close to Calmet, Indiana, where the boxes were found. And there was a car. It was a black Chevy Impala. This had been part of the broadcast on the news. A anonymous tip comes in, basically, um, Someone in the neighborhood, very close to Calmet, Indiana, which is where the boxes were found. Um, This is Hammond, Indiana, where the call came in from. They reported that there was a black Chevy Impala parked on their street, and it appears it had been there for a few days. The person who had called in had also seen the broadcast that Naila's sister put out there a few days ago on the news, saying that Naila is missing, this is her age description what her car looks like and it matched that description by the time the detectives got there the car appeared to be wiped down Mm. they checked the trunk it's completely clear there was no signs of Naila at all and the car was actually parked in front of an abandoned home at this point her sister Ashley is distraught she goes knocking on everyone's Door pretty much in that neighborhood, she's screaming for Naila's name because at the same time you see your like your sister's car is parked there. What if she's trapped in a basement somewhere? You know what I mean? Yeah. So she's freaking out, she's very upset. She said that cops basically had to drag her from the scene, like tell her to leave. Damn. So I don't know if this is the same person that called in for the tip of the car, but it seems like it was. They said that they noticed an African-American male. With the thin build, he was canvassing Naila's vehicle and got into another car. Cops take this description and they're trying to figure out, okay, well, who does Naila know that's an African-American male, thin build? Let's go down the list of suspects. So obviously she has a boyfriend. They're always going to start with the boyfriend, the spouse, the partner. Sure. They're thinking, could it be Andre Wright, her boyfriend? Naila was actually with him the week before visiting him in Milwaukee. Right. And so they look into him, but it seems like things check out that he was actually in Milwaukee during this time, during September 18th. So how far is Milwaukee, Wisconsin from Chicago, Illinois? That's a really good question that I don't have an answer to. Good thing I do, because I just Googled it. And it's an (laughs) hour and a half away. (laughs) So, it's not that far of a drive. Okay. That's not that bad. Yeah. Damn, that's like me driving to Long Island. Pretty much. Okay. So, I had to look it up because I was wondering, as soon as you said, like, I don't know. It's just, it's not that far, which could give, you know, opportunity to drive and do whatever and come back. Yeah. No, you're right. And I think that they did consider that, but... I'm sure, like, there were people that could speak on him and say, like, no, he was at the office at, like, 6 p.m., yeah. you know, when she was out to dinner. The detectives on the case, Sergeant Mia Orliari and Detective Greg Jacobs, also looking into her phone records. So this is September 21st, same day her car was found. And they noticed that three calls came in that night to 911, and that was the same night that she had vanished. So September 18th, these calls came in, and there was no one talking in the background of these three calls that came in. They said you could only hear music. There was no sounds of struggles, none of that. These calls were coming from her phone? Yes. To 911? Was she unable to speak? Mm. You know, was she in a position where, you know, it was a life or death situation if she spoke up? But still hoping that, you know, maybe just making these calls and staying silent lead them to her. I feel like I always wondered about the technology, right? Because Mm -hmm. when you call 911, I remember watching an SVU episode where they're like, keep her on the phone, keep her on the phone so that they can try to find the location. So Mm -hmm. I guess 2007, and the episode actually was around 2007. Oh, really? Yeah, Mm -hmm. this one I'm thinking of in particular. I think Olivia Benson, the actress, I think she won an award for this particular episode. I think the girl's name was Maria, and she was a little girl, and she was calling her from a phone, and they were just trying to find her. And the whole episode, you're led to think that maybe, you know, it's a prank, but it turned out it was real, like... And she believed the girl and they were able to ping the location. But all of that to say, I feel like in 2007, the technology is probably a lot different than 2022, where you probably Mm -hmm. could get someone's location very quickly. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Was that? Well, I guess you're going to tell us if that was the case. So I'm not even sure how long each one of those calls lasted. There is like pinging of location from her phone i'll get into later on but that's what i'm thinking like maybe it was for a short amount of time like Mm. a few seconds that they wouldn't be able to locate her was it back-to-back calls that's what it seems like Mm. they they were not very clear on that unfortunately so that was pretty much a dead end unfortunately there are some tips that come in of people saying that they saw her but that was also a dead end At this point, it has now been a few days and and Naila is still missing. Nothing really came out of the records, at least from the 911 calls, right? We know that much. They now turn their focus back to this call that came in about her car. There was a black man canvassing her car and got into another car. So they're like, okay, let's focus on that description of a slender black male. Does she know someone outside of her boyfriend? Because we know he didn't do it and his alibi checks out. Is there someone else? So they look into Reginald Potts, and Reginald Potts was Naila's previous boyfriend before her current boyfriend. Chicago PD, they, they call him, and he agrees to, to come and speak with them, actually. And he's super cooperative, um, tells him about his relationship with Naila, that they had met the year prior, in 2006. They were not exclusive. Um, and Naila actually permanently broke things off in July of 2007 when she met Andre. Hmm. According to Court of Appeal documents, Naila actually sent Reginald an email titled Adios. <laughs> no. Naiva was a savage. Yeah, no, she is. She is. She's definitely an Aries. Wow. Yeah. Adios. Adios. Well, in Spanish, it's adios, but, you know, like in English, it's adios. adios. (laughs) Um, Because she was done, done with him. So, okay. She had apparently tried to remove him out of her life several times. He keeps coming back. He's just that one. That one dude that you're messing with that just keeps coming back into your life. It's like, but, I want no parts. But obviously, there were several reasons, which they did not explain on the show, okay. Smoke and Mirrors. I got this from, again, Court of Appeal documents. Ooh. And basically, he, he was out here, you know, um, flirting with her best friend, Tiffany. Um, uh-huh. He had an ex-girlfriend that he has a has a kid with he has an ex-wife that he has a kid with so two children and it seems like I don't know if he was going back and forth with them but he definitely was not faithful to Naila okay and she was just like not putting up with his shit anymore she's like right. I'm done done and then adios. um adios <laughs> mm-hmm. so right like they dated briefly but Clearly, they were not compatible because he just was acting up. He could not be straightforward with her and just do the right thing. I don't know why that's so hard for men to do, but it is, apparently. Um, so struggling. <laughs> So Reginald was actually um, a real estate investor. So remember I hmm. said she only dates certain men? Mm-hmm. Yep. She really does. He he lived in a high rise duplex overlooking the lake in Chicago. He drove a white Bentley. They they made that a point on the show. You know he was very successful, and that was one. That was one of many cars that he had apparently. But keep that keep that in the back of your mind because um, there's more to this. You know Mm -hmm. his way of living. He gave a very detailed description actually of the day that Naila went missing so september 18th he was adamant like oh yeah like i know what i was doing that day you know i actually went on a target run to the store when i heard when i heard that he went to target i was like target was a thing in 2007 sure was i don't know it was just so strange um wait let's see when target was started hold on let me check 1902 (laughs) no way wait 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 I think what? they changed their name. Like they started under a different name. Okay. So, um Let me see. When was the first Target built? 1962. I had no idea. Hmm. Um, me neither. So he did the Target run. He said early in the day, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, I was bar hopping. Um, met up with t- two different girlfriends. Excuse and then, me? <laughs> yeah. And then he meets up with a third girl late that night. If you know what I'm saying. No, so, I don't. Spell it out. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait before you go on. Yeah. I do have a question. Sure. So when is he being interviewed? Because she went missing, what September eighteenth? So when is um? The- it's not really because I'm curious. It's not really clear when he's being interviewed. Like. It's a, that's a very good question. But I think he's being interviewed at this point, like, it has to be after September 21st because that's right. when they find her car and that's when they're going through, like, the 911 recording. Um, the reason so I ask... It's is definitely after that, fa- after that fact because they were able to get the description of, hi- of an African-American male that's slim-built and that's where they built off that They built off of that to then say, okay, like, let's, hmm, is there someone from her past? And I'm sure that, you know, maybe her family or her friends were like, yeah, there is someone from, from her past that could match that description. So it had yeah. to have been after that date. I was wondering, because you said he knew in such detail what he did in that day so I was wondering like oh was it a month out where it would be weird You knew what you did on that day versus a week out where you might be able to recall that's a valid question yeah no this was just like a few days detectives are now looking into that alibi nine days after her disappearance her family holds a prayer service in her honor at their church her sister Leah said that she just had a gut feeling that Naila wasn't coming back that same night So this is nine days later, September 27th, 2007. um, Same patrol officer, Calvin Lucius. He's patrolling the same area and he notices that there are headphones hanging from the tree, which is really random and strange. Um, So he makes his way into the forest area and he spots a body. Mm. And he said he was in shock. It was... A female, he said. She was partially clothed, but for the most part, she's naked. And they couldn't identify her as is because she was badly decomposed already at this point. Which I was like, really? After nine days? I mean, Chicago. But wait, it's September. It's probably warm, right? Yeah, and... I guess you're going to end up telling us, but I'm thinking, like, you know, just animals having access to a body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Basically, they had to resort to dental records, and she was positively identified as being Naila. Oh, no. Autopsy confirmed that her death was by asphyxiation. No. So at this point, it is now ruled a homicide. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if this is, like, too graphic, but... You might as well say it. The officer said that her face was reduced to a shrunken, partial skull. Oh, my gosh. Which I was just like, what? But that's how badly she was decomposed at that point. Wow. So the big question is who killed Naila? Who, who would do this? Who would want to hurt her? Does she have enemies? Like, what's going on? As we know, Andre Wright he was in milwaukee at the time when she vanished that all checked out but we still have reginald who has this very elaborate alibi of him doing a target run then he meets up with two different girlfriends and then he ends the night with the third person um with a third girlfriend at this point detectives are like we need to revisit this person because Mm. definitely a person of interest Mm. detectives went to visit his apartment and they noticed that the exterior of one of the doors was damaged as though it had been forced open. That was a little strange, but you know, I don't know. It, I wasn't sure which door it was like- Wait, which it, apartment? Of his apartment. Okay, that's what I thought you said. So one of his doors had been forced. So who uh, wanna hurt Reginald now? So it turned out that it was actually Cook County Sheriff's Department was trying to evict him. Interesting. Like recently. Uh. Like, it had maybe happened, like, a few weeks earlier. Okay. And so he said, oh, no, like, the reason why it looks like that is because they were trying to evict me. And they're like, aren't you, like, a successful real estate investor? Like, what's going on here? Hmm. Um, But remember, I guess, like, 2007, this country was somewhat in a recession, right? 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. So people were on hard times. Apparently, like, he was behind on his mortgage. The detectives noticed that, okay, but he has really nice things, right? He... He loves his cars. He loves Mm -hmm. his shoes. He had like so many pairs pairs of Gucci shoes, apparently. D H (laughs) me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm. I don't know. Maybe that didn't exist at that time, or maybe it did. I don't. I don't know. I don't knockoffs. You're right. Canal Street has been there for years. Okay, you're right. He had a mattress, but he didn't have a bed. They just noticed certain things about his lifestyle, right? The nice cars. He would go to nice restaurants. Excuse me. Wait a minute. He had a mattress, but not a bed? Yeah. What the hell is this? (laughs) They made it seem like he didn't really have any furniture in his apartment. What? And he didn't have any, like, plates, pots, things like that. Wait a damn minute. Wait a minute. Ain't nothing wrong with being having a match on the floor, you feel me? But if you're driving a Bentley, and I'm I'm sure he's lived there for a while. That's exactly what these detectives are saying. They were so confused. That doesn't make any sense. And then on the show, they said that the Bentley didn't even belong to him, but then didn't clarify anything. And I I have not found that anywhere else. So I'm like, what is going on with that? Because they're like, it was one of several cars that he had, but it didn't belong. I'm not seeing it anywhere else interesting maybe he borrowed it or he shares it with his friends maybe it was just strange it goes to show that a person could be living a certain lifestyle you don't know what's going on behind closed doors period but let me tell yeah. you this i'm pulling up in my bins it's really my bed my apartment it really got a bed in it it really got furniture my bags they ain't from dh gate but if yours are it's okay it's okay. You know what I'm saying? I ain't oh judging my gosh. you. But all mm-hmm. I'm saying is, what you get, this 3D, baby. <laughs> what you see is what you get. Right. Mm-hmm, it's 3D. With you. I got that. But Reginald, like, he seems like he was trying to keep up with the Joneses. And it's, it, baby, you ain't keeping up. I don't know what, what this is, but it ain't keeping up. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. On the show, Unforgettable is the name of the show. Okay. The episode is Smoke and Mirrors. It seems like Naila caught wind of who he really was. Oh. She's just probably like, oh, hell no. Like, what is Mm -hmm. this? So it seems like she, and I even got this vibe off of the Court of Appeals document that she was just discovering things about him that he was not upfront about. Like, it made it seem like she didn't even know that he had this ex-wife, this ex-girlfriend that he has children with. Mm. and she also made comments about like you probably had a girlfriend the entire time like you were seeing me. She just didn't trust him. Oh. So basically um she started to warn other people about him too. Okay. And on the show said that she reached one of his girlfriends. Uh-oh. And basically said he's not a good guy. Beware. Who said that? Naila told this to one of his girlfriends. Uh-oh. Apparently like on, that's what they said on the show. I didn't see that anywhere else. Well, I read that she was spilling the tea to her best friends Okay. and um, she had exchanged actually a Chicago, um, I think it was a Chicago Tribune article about him, basically saying that he, he had been charged with drug offenses and weapon charges and she was sending <laughs> it to her friends um To be like this man. I'm sorry, but that's that- why I don't trust people who write real estate investor on their profiles and stuff. I know this is <laughs> pre dating profiles, really. Maybe we only have Match.com at that point or eHarmony. But that's why I'd be looking at people sideways when they put real estate investor, entrepreneur, mm-hmm. business owner. What does that mean? Because what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, now I know your mattress is on the damn floor. That's <laughs> what I mean. Like, what? That's a likelihood. So, yeah. I mean, listen, people go through struggles, but the way it he, it seems to me is that he just was living this false narrative. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? People go through struggles in terms of, like, you might have to sleep on the floor. I know mm-hmm. people who slept on the floor. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, you go through struggles, people sleep in their cars, you know? It's not a joke. People go through this stuff. But this man, he's... This sounds like mental illness. Mm-hmm. Like, he's doing these things because he's trying to live this opulent life that maybe he can't afford. Mm-hmm. So that's just crazy to me like you have a beautiful view of stuff and whatever you couldn't even rent from errands isn't there in- and Aaron rent furniture whatever <laughs> it's true you couldn't even rent furniture like i don't know to me it's giving jekyll and hyde so i'm mm-hmm. interested to see where this gonna go yeah that's the vibe i'm getting too but yeah so she was out here saying telling people like be careful with this man um, and sending you know, news articles to her, her best friends to be like, look at this man. Mm-mm, he ain't no good. But she also like, she blind copied him okay. onto an email. BCC? Yeah, BCC. Okay. Which I f- I forgot what it is. Like, you can't see the um, recipients, the other recipients. Like, or if basically the recipient, if you're BCC'd, mm-hmm. no one knows that you're wa- like reading the email. So if you bcc if you emailed mom yeah. and you BCC'd me, I, mom won't know that I'm on there. But you know oh. because you BCC'd me. Okay. Well, she did that um, on the email about the news article about him. On purpose? She BCC'd him? That's what it seems like. I got this off of the Court of Appeals document. Oh oh okay yeah bcc'd him so that she he could see that she was emailing people about him yes her best friends saying like look at this man like uh uh-uh maybe it was an accident that's what i was wondering did she do that like on purpose that's strange but anyway whether she did or not right it was a trigger Okay. for him and he actually started to the mattress wasn't a trigger on the floor but this uh, but this was okay yeah gotcha obviously um he didn't like that very much and so he started leaving her threatening messages voicemails and emails mm. which her boyfriend had confirmed that like he was actually sending her voicemails saying i'm going to end you pretty much excuse I'm me i'm going to race you what yeah Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Her boyfriend knew this was happening. Mm -hmm. What did he... So this email is definitely... Okay, the email's from September 6th, 2007. Oh. All within the same month. Oh. Mm -hmm. So her boyfriend knows that this is happening. Yeah, which I thought was interesting, but he made it seem like... She was not concerned about it. Mm. Like, oh, like, it's not a big deal. He ain't gonna do none. Yeah. He's all bark, no bite. Yeah, that's the way that her boyfriend made a seem. Apparently, she was scared. Really? Yeah, and she told her friend that, um, this is in the Court of Appeals document, that if something happened to her, he did it. Really? That Reginald did it. She told one of her friends that. I wonder why she, you know what, I was going to say I wonder why she felt comfortable telling her friend versus her boyfriend, but I think it could be because it was a new relationship. It was a new relationship. She, relationship. she probably didn't want to scare him. Mm-hmm. And her friends, you know, this they, is, know, her. You know yeah. they know her. Yeah. So she was probably like, I'm not trying to create drama. Like, this relationship is a positive one. Like, it's going yeah. in such a good direction, but wow. Like, yeah. I'm sure he's probably thinking. I wish you told me. Like I wish you would have. Mm-hmm. I get. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. I wish you would have just said, told me. Yeah. Because he seems like the kind of guy. He's like a real man. You know, like mm-hmm. he's the kind of guy that would have made sure that she he was safe. It. Yeah. You know, I like he's a all guy put, like he's that. all put together and like professional. You know? I like a guy like that. You're a ne- like. When I see him, I feel like security, safety, love, I can't all that, him. I really can't. <laughs> all the things you're that like, I desire. You're like, <clears throat> he's a man. He's a real man. <laughs> yeah, he would handle it. You know what? You got to have people in your life like that who would handle things. You know what I'm saying? It don't yeah. have to be handle, handle. Yeah, you feel me? Yeah, but it's enough that like people be like, "Oh, I, I should definitely not." Yeah, to back off. Yeah, basically. I, sh- I should back off. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So apparently Naila had filed um a police report. Oh. Yeah. After this whole incident. Because it seems like there were there were several messages, remember? Like and several emails that had gone back and forth. She was looking into filing an order of protection. Okay. But again, she had never mentioned this at all to her boyfriend. So let's talk a little bit more about Reginald's alibi in a little bit more detail. That Target run, yeah. So he actually had been calling the detective, one of the detectives, Detective Greg Jacobs. He said that Reginald will call him all the time. And he said that he got the sense that he was trying to steer the investigation a certain way. Because mm. he would be like, oh, have you spoken to this person? Or you should look into this. So he said, I'm surprised that you haven't you know, spoken to, I hope I'm seeing this right. Hugh Eccles and Castro Eccles so technically they are his friend that he was with during the Target run okay. and so he's saying like oh like you should really like look into them because I was with them I'm sure like they're gonna do that on their own <laughs> to check your alibi but okay. it's just very strange that you're pushing it right you know so they do in fact look into Hugh and Castro Eccles who are a couple like I believe that they're married His friends were with him for most of the day, they said, and they did do this Target run. But the funny thing is that when they reviewed the Target footage, you know, Hugh and Castro Eccles were there, but um, Reginald wasn't. Huh? He was not at all in any of the footage from Target. Excuse me? Wait a damn minute. Wait a damn minute. Let's rewind. So his friends are vouching for him. And he's not even on candid camera. Exactly. Why the heck would they want to put their necks on the line for this man? I don't. A married couple? I is don't, he a third? Are they all- t- You like, never know. This is his friend. His friend is um why would- Okay, what the heck? I'm honestly like really- I'm really shocked. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be so shocked if it was like his friends, but it's like, it's a married couple. Yeah. And they're lying and saying you were in Target with them? But the camera, like, unless they're the s- Unless they're siblings, but I'm pretty sure that they're a couple. I'm pretty sure it said that they were a couple. Excuse um, me? Husband and wife. Yeah, so obviously his friend lied um, for him. And it's just like, why would you in any way want to implicate yourself in something like that? Why the heck would you do that? especially if there's cameras like think about it it's not you saying like oh yeah they were at my house all afternoon oh my gosh what kind of mental
1: people people are really dumb friends
0: are his friends dealing with the friend catches on that the cops the detectives know that he's lying oh so he's like okay fine reginald was not there at all Okay, he actually called me saying that he needed a ride, and I picked him up from Hammond, Indiana. Uh Uh-uh. And that's where Naila's car was found. Hammond, Indiana. And didn't the caller say they saw someone get in a car? Yeah. Did they describe the car? No. Hmm. Maybe they did, but the show didn't mention any details, and I didn't see any other details in the articles. Huh okay at this point they have enough on reginald to bring him in and basically interrogate him so his whole reaction is he's being framed Mm. okay there are people out to get him he's making it seem like he has a lot of enemies out there and people are just trying to find ways to bring him so who wants to bring you down with your mattress on the floor like reginald be real be for real what the hell? <sighs> this is so frustrating. It really is. Okay, so basically they're like, were you with Naila on September 18th? That's how they lay it out first. Okay. And he's like, no, I was not. I was not with her, you know. And they're like, well, that's really, you know, that's really funny, Reginald, because um, we have you on camera, actually, at her complex, with the two of you getting out of the elevator. What? At her yeah. apartment? At her apartment. Go on. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I was never there. I don't know what you're talking about. That's impossible. Oh my god, what a psychopath. They he got go- you on candidate. He camera. goes as far as saying that. <laughs> oh my god. I-, I can't make this I up. I can't even believe this right now. <laughs> he goes as far and they're you know, they're on camera. I can't going you know getting off the elevator going to her apartment leaving her apartment in terms of time it's unclear it seemed like it was like around noon okay and when they leave the apartment it's probably like around he's still denying this he goes as far as saying that it was photoshopped that he was not there that he was photoshopped into the footage from her apartment negro it is 2007 no photoshop (laughs) good enough to do that (laughs) okay Mr. Bentley, you're not that important for someone to be like, oh, we're going to Photoshop you in, bro. I just don't, I don't (sighs) see that here. I don't see it. It's really just, it's insane. So he's just, you know, he keeps going on and on about this and you'll see it on Smoke and Mirrors him just trying to explain all the reasons why the detectives are wrong and it's not him and he's being framed and all of this he's just going on and on I can't. so during this time he never asked for an attorney and mm-hmm. they are now trying to place him in a lineup because they say okay well we have witnesses they're gonna be able to pick you out because you said that you weren't there right but like we got witnesses that say you were there and he's like uh uh I do not want to do this lineup until my attorney is present. Oh. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, wait a second. In New York, I don't think that you need to have an attorney present at a lineup if you haven't been charged with anything yet. Yeah, if you're right, yeah, pretty much it you don't have a right to have an attorney present when you're being um when you're in a lineup. Yeah. Your right to an attorney doesn't kick in then. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's like this whole. It's pretty. Actu- yeah, it's a little intricate. It's a, a very intricate detail. Mm-hmm. If I pull up my crim Pro outline, I bet I could tell you exactly.
1: No, that's when. literally
0: that's literally what it is. Like yeah. once you're charged, then, then it like right. kicks in, like the Sixth Amendment. Yeah, um, it's your Sixth Amendment. Right. right? Yeah. So but like, you Miranda, know what? Miranda rights are under the fifth amendment. amendment. Yeah. And then your right to attorney, y'all, I'm telling you, like, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's very it's convoluted. Tricky. It's interesting. And it's I interesting. love it. That's what I'm saying. Y'all yeah. need to read up on this stuff. Like know your rights. Mm-hmm. Know your... Definitely. Okay. So as I was hearing this on the show, I'm like, wait a second. Was he charged yet? Was he not charged yet? Like, where are we? Are we in fifth amendment? Are we in sixth amendment? Like, I wasn't sure. Thinking like a lawyer. Um, I really was not sure. And it's actually still a little bit unclear to me. Uh-huh. But, okay, so anyways, the way the detectives were trying to, you know, they, they wanted to move it along. And they're like, well, the state attorney is present. Like, the state attorneys are who's prosecutor. And he's like, okay, that's for the state. That's not for, for me, though. You know, that they don't, re- the state does not represent me. So I want my attorney to be there. Okay, Reginald. This is kind of shocking me right now. I was like, Reginald, are you, are you not an investor or even an attorney you know right, part time like, yeah. he was like being very vocal about it and he clearly knows his rights is what i'm saying even if he might be off about the fact that you know whether or not he is supposed to have an attorney present during the lineup he wants an attorney period yeah yeah okay he's clearly being being questioned right yeah Miranda rights have kicked in mm-hmm. and you he's are allowed now, yeah. to call a lawyer yeah, he basically insane. says, I don't want to talk anymore. You know, it ends there with the interrogation. And now your attorney has to be present. So his attorney does come. And this was very, very strange. So the attorney walks into the interrogation room and Reginald is now taking off his shirt. And the detectives are like, why are you taking off your shirt? Why are you taking off your shirt? And he's like, I'm not doing this lineup. That's why huh huh so he took off his shirt he took you know how in a lineup everyone has to kind of look the same same. yeah so he purposely was like oh like how are they how are they gonna pick me out now i stand out oh so basically they were like the lineup didn't happen i'm like okay this is so strange but okay okay yeah i don't know how he got away with that i'm like maybe you know 2007 i'm like i feel like you would not be able to get away with that doing that now no like there's no way they would force a shirt on onto you. I think It was attor- very strange. I wonder what his attorney said, whether he said... The no, attorney was just he- standing there, like, just confused in the footage. Basically, the lineup does not happen. He is still charged with capital murder, though, mm. in the case of Naila. Mm. Reginald hires this attorney. He then fires this attorney. He hires other attorneys. He fires them. It's this whole years of hiring and firing attorneys at one point he tries to represent himself bad idea it basically delayed the trial three years whoa because it kept resetting the trial every time like he'd fire the attorney it was this whole process so by the time the trial seemed like it was moving forward capital punishment had been abolished in chicago in chicago well in illinois Illinois, yeah yeah which is interesting. I'm like, wow, You kind. Of, I guess you got lucky. I don't know. Oh. But imagine it has now at this point been three years. It is now 2010. And right. this is taking a toll on her family. Yeah. Okay. Because they're like, this guy did it. And they just want to see that justice gets yeah. served. Unfortunately, during this time, her dad actually passes away. Oh, my God. Okay. At, um, the case had been pending for like three years. Now it's a little bit more than three years at this point when he passes. And the family thinks that he died of a broken heart. Mm. It was just too much for him. It doesn't move forward to trial until another four years it would take. So it would take a total of eight years after her murder, 2007. It doesn't go to trial until 2015. Well, okay. That That's interesting because usually... <laughs> you have a right to a speedy trial under the constitution he does and he made but he is the one he literally that was would, that's violating his own right yeah he, he <laughs> literally went into it saying i have a right to speedy trial under the constitution and then they're like he was so like on point with that but then did the opposite and they were so confused by that right what are you doing so what really it's on clear There's um more delays just more delays and he's he prison the entire time yes so he was able to reach a journalist and talk about the horrible jail conditions that he was in while he was awaiting trial and how inhumane it was. Mm. Inhumane? Yeah. Wow. What a what a choice of a word. And during this time like his family was being like very vocal and very supportive of him. They it seems like till this day truly believe that it was someone else that did it that he was not involved that it was, it's just kind of like a case of the wrong place of wrong time and he fits the crime basically kind of like damn what's Lacey peterson case i was, was just like, thinking um, about that when you said that i was like he's trying to make it seem like the scott peterson Lacey peterson case because yeah. i guess if you really look at it there are there are questions okay? yeah there yeah. are but i don't feel like this is comparable to that because it's almost too it's almost too perfect and why would you and by lying mm-hmm. he just made it worse and i know scott peterson also I yeah know he lied to yeah he lied about some stuff too yeah. but like yeah you yeah. lied about going to target your friends lied and then what are the chances of you being in hammond indiana like right. was he from there i don't Did he think live so there? I don't. it's like I don't think so. Maybe he lived in Chicago, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. So it's now 2015. And the prosecution does make a point that, you know, this case is interesting because there were technically no witnesses. Mm. Like, sure, people saw him in the apartment. They were together. Right. Um, But other than that, there were no witnesses later on that day. There's no video whatsoever, of the crime itself. There's no confession. He never confessed to anything. There is no physical evidence. Remember, the car was completely wiped down. Oh, so they could never really place even his fingerprints. Nope, no DNA. Nothing on her body? I don't don't believe so. So So you see what I'm saying? It's all circumstantial. So the Mm -hmm. biggest thing that they have is, like, the alibi not checking out, right? They also have, like, the voicemails that he left her. Yep. I will erase you. I'm, go- I'm going to make you disappear, was mm. one of the things he said. And she actually was able to, she showed that to her friend. Mm. I don't know if they, it was unclear if they were, because how, I don't know if they were able to have, if they ever found her cell phone is what I'm saying. But her friend testified to this, that she was with her and Naila played this voicemail for her. Mm. So she testified to that. Um, and also right the email chain that was going back and forth they called it in the court of appeals document fbi like as a title to the email because she just found all this information on him right and she mm. she was sharing it with her friends to be like look at this guy like he ain't shit so as like further proof that you had motive to want her permanently gone but not anything physical not anything tangible. Hmm. So that was that was hard for for them to put on this case, right? But still, I mean it was convincing enough. And another thing is that their cell so Reginald's cell phone and Naila's cell phone, they both pinged at around ten fifteen where her body was found. Okay, so that's I mean, come on. You know, so that is not circumstantial. That is mm-hmm like that is like evidence right there right and i think the the jury agreed the jury agreed and it Mm -hmm. only took them two hours and 15 minutes to deliberate and they came back with a guilty verdict first degree murder Mm. so what was interesting is that there was a sentencing hearing that happened four months later and it felt like a whole new trial all over again like usually um both sides like can present like arguments and the judge weighs that and it's interesting because there are certain things that you can that a judge can factor in during the sentencing hearing that they can't during the trial itself because maybe it's too prejudicial so there was so much that came in Mm -hmm. um during the sentencing that i was just like who is this person the prosecution had 35 witnesses which i'm like this is a whole damn trial. Thirty-five witnesses. Were yes. Sentencing hearing. Yes. Whoa. They said that this was very unique and not any like this. Yeah, I've this never had heard, not. Yeah, I have never. I've never. I've never heard of heard this. Of that. Yeah. And those thirty-five witnesses included cops. It included um, like ex-girlfriends and and so forth. The women that came forward talked about how violent he was towards them. Reginald himself had spent some time in prison in the early nineties. He got into fights with the guards um, so like these cops that were coming in testifying they were speaking as to his behavior yeah. during his time in prison Naila's family speaks too and they basically s- said she was this amazing person she had so much going on for herself and you literally took that away from us you took that away from the world it was really really sad um, they showed like a little clip of her sister talking and she's crying. You see all the pain that her family's feeling. And mm. it's sad because they're, again, this is a very u- unique situation with the sentencing hearing. And it's like a trial again. Like they're reliving it uh. again. This is like a second trial. So it's very, very sad. And then Reginald mm. <laughs> speaks mm. and he starts crying and saying that he's not a monster And basically trying to convince the judge, like, despite everything that you've heard, and I know that I've already, you know, been convicted. Yeah. But letting the judge know that he is innocent and that he'll be appealing this case, Mm. maintaining his innocence. He said that he never had any sort of anger towards Naila. He was never violent with her. Just because he has this past of being violent with other people doesn't mean that he was violent here Mm -hmm. basically saying he would never hurt her okay he made it seem as though he wasn't stalking her and asked her to actually stop calling him so you know like switching it around like she was actually looking for me anyways the judge was not buying this so judge thomas gainer believe i'm pronouncing it right basically called him a cold, calculating, conniving coward of a con man who must be punished. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that, he gave him life sentence without the possibility of parole. Well, I could have seen that coming. Hmm. The judge is right. Like, it, to me, it sounds like Reginald is like a Jekyll and Hyde personality. There's mm-hmm. like a lot of mental health issues, like where... He can't feel sympathy, which is scary. He doesn't know when he's wrong, which is scarier. Mm -hmm. Um, And he puts on this facade to get everyone to believe him, which is also hella scary. So, I mean, to me, even though, you know, the case was, like, circumstantial, like, pretty circumstantial, I think that the voicemails and the phone pinging from the same area at that point in time that sealed the deal for me and him just being a pathological liar about everything just like you lied about everything else like you're telling me you're not going to lie about this and if and for some reason if he didn't do it which I don't think is the case he would just be like the boy who cried wolf you did it every other time so you mm-hmm. know what if anything is a punishment for all the other times you did it how about that you know what I'm saying true. Sure. that's just kind of how, how it goes but I do think that the evidence points to him Mm-hmm. I do too. And shame on his friends for lying about like going to Target I, out of all the stores. I Target. don't even think they really knew what they were getting themselves into. Maybe they didn't because he was a Jekyll and Hyde yeah. type of person. Mm-hmm. They could probably think like we're helping him. He's normal, you know? Like, like he may have even called them very calmly and be like, hey, I need a ride. Like, do you mind? Right. I'm you sure know? he got in the car. Maybe he got in the car. He didn't say anything. Maybe yeah. they had no idea. They had no idea what he had done, what had happened. Maybe he just said, "You know, I was just out here with my third girlfriend." Or it could have literally. It could have been if you lie for me because I was I was in fact with Tasha, but I need you know. Yeah, I need like a cover up so mm-hmm. that Linda doesn't find out. You know. Um, okay. It could have been something like that that he talked them into and then afterwards they're like, oh shit, this is really serious. Well, when I just looked up the distance from Chicago to Hammond, Indiana, it's only a half hour. So like, if he had called mm. his friend to pick him up, it's not even, it doesn't even look weird. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like going to Connecticut well, to like Greenwich. Yeah. It's not weird if I'm like, oh, come pick me up in Greenwich because it's like only 20 minutes out. That's true. So they probably were like, Maybe he go he... to Indiana all the time. Maybe people go to Indiana. If you're from Chicago, let us know. Um, Actually- If you go to, like, Milwaukee, if you go to- in, You know, if it's easy for you to where, do that, that's a thing. Where the boxes, remember those six boxes yeah. with the medical supplies in it? Yes, Medical samples. So, Reginald's brother-in-law owns a store in the same parking lot where those six boxes were found. Okay, see, that is too much of a coincidence. It's just too much of a coincidence, and- He, The brother-in-law actually had to testify because he gave Reginald a key to his store. they were like, why would you do that? Like, why would you give him a key? He was like, oh, well, you know, know, he's a real estate investor. I thought, like, he could help me um, create, like, a strip mall or something like that. It was just really, really weird. Um, In terms of his connection to Indiana, his brother-in-law has a store there. And he has a key to the store. Do they think that the murder might have happened at the store? You know, I was wondering that too. I never saw anything on that like or the crime scene because I'm wondering so, if they think the It's really Okay, or? so the prosecutors um on the on the show Smoke and Mirrors, they said that they believed he actually strangled her in her parking garage. And put her in the trunk and then drove to Indiana. Interesting. That's their theory. So she was already dead? That's what they believe, yeah. Huh. But I'm like, I don't know if I... Like, that was a... Remember I said, like, there were certain parts that were not clear? That was one of the parts that, that was not clear. Because he came to her apartment to see her. He drove according to the show he drove there in his bentley parked his car there went upstairs got off the elevator with her right they're in her apartment for like an hour they come back downstairs they leave in her car but i'm like so is his bentley still parked there right it was so strange it just that just didn't make sense to me and who did she go to dinner with did they ever say the whole theory that they have is he was texting as her, oh, pretending, pretending that, she at dinner. that she was at dinner, but in uh, reality, okay, he probably already had killed her by then, yeah, because her sister was trying to call her like 9 p.m., her boyfriend yeah. uh, was trying to call her sometime in the evening, so before 9 p.m., but yeah. yeah, no, that was her theory. Like, he murdered her, put her in the trunk of the car oh and he was trying to be her and he answered them through text message saying i'll call you later that makes sense yep wow but her sister did speak to her at one point but we just don't know if it was the 17th or the 18th yeah it seems like her sister spoke to her that day like earlier in the day like who knows her sister might have spoken to her and then she said uh hold on and she probably was answering the call from him yeah right? From Reginald, like... Oh, gosh. And maybe that's when he was going to see her yeah. in the apartment. Like, I don't know. That, that was, was also so unclear, sad. but... It's just a really sad, unfortunate situation. Um, her family... This was, like, one of the last things I wanted to mention. Basically, what her family... Her family's reaction to this whole situation is... Obviously, it was a long time coming. This trial came eight years later after her murder. Right. But... They are at least satisfied with the fact that justice was served, and he will spend the rest of his life in prison. Okay. But they still feel really empty. Like her sister made it a point that she is my guardian angel, but I would just love to have her here to talk to, you know. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that, and she's never coming back. Just like the way that she said it it was really, it was really sad. sad. It's sad. You got to be careful with these men. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, like, just with partners, like, you know, people like lose their mind and go to a very crazy lengths sometimes to, like, for what? Like, so no yeah, for have, what? You know? Like, I just, it still doesn't make sense to me that the email drove him to and the fact that she was telling people like oh you gotta watch out for this guy it just doesn't make sense to me that that was his motive I think there's more I think he was jealous of the fact that she was moving on with this this new man I agree no I agree I think it's I think it's all of that yeah just combined was very triggering for him but Mm -hmm. triggered him in a way that's not a normal response yeah right like it's not fair it's not a fair fight A big man, like, you know, Mm -hmm. literally strangling the life out of somebody who is a lot smaller than you, someone Mm -hmm. you used to love. Like, I can't even imagine Or you do love. I don't know. I mean, you can't really say you love the person do that. You know, but it must have been very terrifying for her, you know, just like you trust somebody and they are the ones that hurt you in this way to betray you, to kill you. Nah. It makes me think, why were they meeting up that day? I know. You know? I wonder. Because I wonder. she was comfortable enough for him to be in her apartment yeah. for an hour, right? Mm-hmm. And he must have used his, his charm, yeah. you know? And she probably thought, it's okay. Like, it's fine. We, you know, we, we've we gone through this before. Like, he's been mad at me or whatever it is. Let's it is. Hatchet. Like, Mm-hmm. Like, Like, it's fine. Yeah. But I do wonder like what it was that he said to get her like to meet up right. and to do all the all those things when she was saying she was afraid, she had made the police report. hmm Did anything come from the police report? Like did she get a restraining order or anything, or she just filed a police report? Um, I think she was trying to get an order of protection, but I don't know that she actually ended up getting ended up doing that. Maybe he talked her out of it. Yeah, you never like, know. people always do, you know. It's just it's tough. But I mean Reginald, you know, he gonna have to think about it. His mattress won't be on the floor, but it's comparable to that prison. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. luck. And Reginald okay. has recently um actually appealed his case in of March of twenty twenty one. The appellate court of Illinois they they denied it. Of course. <laughs> of course, so yeah. I'm not sure which appeal it was. Like, I don't know if this is like the first one, you know, right. his first strike or second strike. But, yeah. I think he's in there for life. Me too. And I guess that's it. Yeah. That's so the story. that's uh, case of Naila Franklin. May she rest in peace. You know, like, this whole thing is just so trippy. Like, I can't even imagine what her family feels. You know, he, he's been around her family and friends. So it's like, mm-hmm. what the hell, you know? Got to be careful out there. It's crazy. We live in a crazy world, y'all. It's this crazy world. The, the world, you know, the world being a crazy place is why we're telling these stories. I wish the mm-hmm. world was a quieter, safer place and that we didn't have to tell these stories. But that's just how, that's just how it is. Anyways. We'll see you guys next Tuesday for another episode of It's the Mystery for Me. Stay safe out there. Bye.